This episode of Ministry Monday is brought to you by Loyola Press. Loyola Press is proud to announce the arrival of the new book, Spiritual Practices for the Brain. Written by Anne Kurtz-Kernian, founder of Cards by Anne, this book is grounded in neuroscience, theology, and mindfulness practice to provide powerful, positive results for mind, body, and soul. Visit store.loyolapress.com to order your copy today. From NPM, the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, this is episode 128 of Ministry Monday. Ministry Monday is a weekly podcast about music, ministry, and liturgy produced by the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, or NPM. What is NPM? NPM is a national association that fosters the art of musical liturgy. The members of NPM serve the Catholic Church in the United States as musicians, clergy, liturgists, and other leaders of prayer. For more information, go to npm.org forward slash join. Have a question? Email us anytime at ministrymonday at npm.org. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Ministry Monday. I'm your host, Amanda Bruce. It's hard to start an episode about prayer. Prayer is the connection that we cultivate with God and the saints and spirits that we as Catholics believe surround us every day. And yet, as pastoral musicians, God works through us in our ministry. We are quite often prayers answered. We have the gift in that we, as our broken human selves, can be a conduit for joy, relief, and healing for those who sit in our pews. We facilitate prayer that we don't even know takes place. For these reasons, I believe that pastoral musicians often have a prayer relationship that is unique. We spend hours in sacred spaces for funerals and weddings and, of course, weekend liturgies. We encounter sacraments at a number or quantity that only clergy typically experience. We are blessed to spend our working days in God's house. How can we deepen a prayer experience for ourselves? How do we discern the time needed for our own prayer practice apart from the ministry that we offer to others? Today on the podcast, we discuss the Liturgy of the Hours and Eucharistic Adoration, two experiences of prayer that help us to encounter Christ in deeper ways. I started by calling Brother Louis Cantor in the Diocese of Orlando. Brother Lewis shares the importance of the liturgy of the hours for his prayers, his struggles, and his calling upon the saints every single day. The topic today is prayer. And the idea is that this, of course, will air on All Souls Day. And this will be a moment, of course, where many of us typically you know, pray for those who we've lost. We pray also in the shadow of the saints but also in the shadow of the souls and the many people that we've lost. And so 
you know, this, this particular episode talks about prayer. And so, you know, on a basic level, brother Lewis, like on a, on a regular basis, how do you pray? Well, it's a good question. So uh, for the past 48 years, I know my voice doesn't sound like that. Um, it happened. I started praying when I was two. <laughs> but um, for the past 48 years, the Liturgy of the Hours has been the backbone of my, my prayer life. So um, the Eucharist first, and then uh, Liturgy of the Hours is second. And primarily, I use uh, morning prayer and night prayer and try to squeeze evening prayer in as, as much as I can as part of like a structure, kind of the hinge of the day concept of, of starting my day and ending my day um, with, with that, lit, that liturgical expression. So then I can spring off of the liturgy of the hours in the Eucharist with the scriptures and with the Psalms and to praying uh, throughout the day um, in, in, various, in various ways. But, but that is the power pack. And the reason I say that is because I firmly believe it's a universal prayer. So that's not just me praying to God. It's us praying with one another to the God who has loved us. And so when I pray Liturgy of the Hours, that's the universal prayer that we're all praying together. Um, and so uh, that draws, I can draw a tremendous amount of strength from that awareness in, in that prayer time. So that's the beginning. Mm -hmm. Now I'm a Franciscan. And so um, there are certain things that I, I use during the day uh, to help me with whatever's going on. And I don't have a lot of time to, to do a lot of chatty prayers. I mean, there are all wonderful prayers that we have. But the one prayer that I really find myself using a lot is one from Francis where he says, God, who are you and who am I? So a lot of times I may you know, take a few minutes and just kind of recenter myself, especially after a, a heavy meeting or encounter, is to say, you know, Lord, who are you and who am I? And just ask the question. Now, it's dangerous prayer because God does reveal himself who he is, and he certainly lets us know who we are, uh, maybe li liking it or not liking it. So um, that's that's part of, of, of my prayer. And at the end of the day, then um, I find using um, that examination of conscience, you know, some a little Ignatian uh, prayer, uh, sitting back to reflect on the day, um, is there something that kind of stands out during the day? What uh, could I? What, what could have been really good about it? What could I have done differently? And how do I uh, assess that for uh, the next encounter or the next the next day? So, um, so that's pretty much my prayer um, as as I as I do it. So. And in the course of the day, I remember a lot of people who have asked me to pray for them. I mean, you know, I know a lot of times we say, oh, yeah, I'll pray for, you. oh, yeah, I'll pray for, you. oh, yeah. Well, actually, if they come up to mind, I stop and just say, God, take care of this person, you know, take care of this need of this individual, whatever. So that might be something as I'm running from point A to point B. It's not very focused prayer, I grant that, but it's still remembering, you know, people and, and, and keeping that promise that I said I would pray with them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's one of the things that I'll admit to you that I struggle with as well. I've even come up with an idea, and this sounds incredibly secular, but I end up keeping an area on my phone, you know, like a little notepad, if you will, where if I just ran across my, you know, choir member that said, pray for me, I pull out my phone, and then I write their name or intention in so that I remember. That's, that's, and I, I don't think that sounds secular at all. Says, that sounds very practical, because um, it's, because we can, we can forget. 
I mean, I can't speak for you, but I can forget if oh, somebody I can forget. says that. Yeah. <laughs> so I even have a list like at morning prayer, when I do morning prayer there in the intercessory prayer portion of that, you know, I'll, I have a list of people who that have asked me to pray for them specifically um, and they go on that list. And so I pray with for them um, as part of that uh, morning prayer experience. So, and it's interesting, you know, you said that this is gonna air on All Souls Day. I mean, I've lost some really incredible friends this year. People who have been walking with me on my own personal journey with cancer who have, who have died, like Mary Janice, mm, yes. who is uh, still grieving her loss, or another friend, her name is Judy Rund, who uh, is a member of our parish, and her and I have, still have, I believe, because I believe in the universality of, of, the, of the church, uh, have this running thing with, with chocolate chip cookies, because um, when I would do chemotherapy, my, my, I would treat myself to a chocolate chip cookie. It was my way of, of treating my little kid inside to say, well, now you did something adult. Now you can have something that's a little kid thing. So that would be the chocolate chip cookie. So every once in a while, I would find a, a, a canister of, of chocolate chip cookies in the office or, you know, that came from Judy. And now Judy is, has, has a transist herself. Um, every once in a while, I still find a canister of chocolate chip cookies. And I believe that's that's um, that's Judy still taking care of me. Mm -hmm. you know, that's the beautiful thing about about this time um, of, of remembrance. That's what November. I love I love it because we remember all those wonderful people who have gone before us, the people who um, who we've identified as saints, but people who I personally would identify as a saintly individual. And mm -hmm. um, I mentioned two already. You know, J Judy Rund and Mary Janice both. Um, both courageous and they're they're a battle with cancer, but also just courageous people who live life fully. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. So standing in the shadow of the saints and those that we we love, you know, like you said, all saints and all souls provide a moment for us to stop and pray to them. Um, are there any uh, saints that you pray to or think of and have a special connection with throughout the year? Yeah, well, obviously, Francis of Assisi and Claire of Assisi both would be the people I go to very, very much. Um, Joan of Arc is another one because I, you know, she was a, 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 an exceptional individual who, uh, against all odds, was faithful to what God had called her to through uh, Catherine and, um, and, uh, and other saints who had talked with her. Uh, so those are three individuals that I really go to frequently. And if I'm doing battle myself within myself or whatever, uh, I know I can go to, to Joan quickly. Say, Joan, help me out with this. How do I, how do I get through this? And then in Claire and Francis, I mean, I'm a Franciscan, so um, the spirituality is there. And I like to go to them as the sources because um, it's just so much that I can, I can gain from them in that regard. So yeah, off, often I go to them. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, this other guy, this new, uh, be this new guy that was beatified um, uh, on, um, I think it was October 3rd, and Assisi, a young man who used the, the, um, the internet and that kind of thing to his advantage for, for um, the Lord and all that. Mm -hmm. So uh, kind of been praying to him, it's like to, to use the internet in a good way to do some kind of evangelization. Um, you know, he had a, had a great love for the Eucharist and, um, and also used that 
medium, social media, to get that across to the young people. So I've, I've been reflecting a lot on his life as well. Oh, I think we need more reflecting on that right now as well. I agree mm-hmm. with you because social media needs more of that, how do I say, saintly presence, if you will. Right. So it's like, it reminds me of like when I use social media, how do I do that? And am I using it to edify or am I, you know, so I, I, I you know, use my Facebook page a lot to put prayers and things on um, just to help to have other people praying with me for peace or um, taking a pledge of nonviolence, um, praying for the environment, praying for the sick. So every day I put something different on, like Mondays are nonviolent day. So I have like mm-hmm. this little, can you take the pledge of nonviolence? And Tuesdays for the sick, Wednesdays for first responders, and Thursdays for peace, Friday is for environment. And then Saturday I've used to help pray for the reentry back into, um, you know, from the COVID-19 uh, uh, experience like how how are we doing that and are we doing it in a just way are we doing it in a caring way of uh, those kinds of things so and Sunday it's a day of rest so I try to not Facebook things that's probably, sounds kind of yeah traditional but you know I think there's some, there's something about being restful on one day you know mm-hmm. yes I think that's a good idea now so let me just ask if you don't mind you know so if if someone were starting their prayer practice, from let's just say ground zero, they didn't pray, they didn't practice prayer regularly, or if they did, they don't necessarily have a strong practice right now of the liturgy of the hours, for example. Um, how would you suggest that someone start that practice and kind of find their their footing in practicing that regularly? To be honest with you, to be honest, just to talk to God like God is there because He is. So the prayers don't have to be lofty. It just, just, we just need to be, I think prayer is an awareness that God is present. So however you can say that, just even saying the word God, God, are you here? Or God, I'm here. Uh, and then and just talking with him about where you are and who you are, you know, that, that, that revelation of self to self and, and self to God. I mean, God already knows everything, but it's an awareness that he's present. I think that's the starting point. And then I think if, if taking scripture and not, you know, not starting with Genesis and going all the way to Revelation, I mean, there's mm-hmm. merit to that on some levels, but just taking maybe a snippet of the scripture of, of the day, you know, again, using social media. I mean, there's so many apps that we have that get the scripture for the day for, for mass, just taking one or just taking like a verse from the Psalm the responsorial psalm, or to, if a verse hits you uh, when you read it, it's like, then that's, let that stay with you and, and, and work with that. But I think prayer is a dialogue. So it's listening to God and talking to God. And I would just say, start that, and, but be really honest. It doesn't have to be somebody else's prayer or someone else's spirituality. It, it's you. It's you and God. And, and um, you know, Close the door if you're afraid of somebody hearing you or whatever. Let him just let him love you and you love him and and, and talk in, in that kind of a relationship. And if you start that way, it, it grows. It grows. So any one of us who, I mean, and all of us struggle with it. All of us have, you know, dry periods and there's all kinds of things. And then if you really want to get into praying, find a spiritual director, find someone to walk with you, 
to mentor you into a relation, a deeper relationship with God. There's, there is so much value in that because a lot of times we'll say, well, I'm not praying or uh, God doesn't love me or, you know, we're going through a really hard time personally. And so we abandon that relationship, but a spiritual director will challenge us and say, Hey, you know, God's still there. I mean, don't, it's not about feelings. It's not warm fuzzies and, you know, cotton candy and all that stuff. It's like the hard stuff, you know, I mean, I can speak from experience. I have cancer uh, and I make no bones about it. Um, and I know that uh, I, a lot of times I just offer that up as prayer. I just feel like crap today or sh shouldn't say that on, on, but I do. I mean, I feel really bad today. So God, I don't even know if I can pray. Just, just let your spirit take over. I'll do the best I can, but you know, that's where I am today. That's prayer to me. I mean, that's honest. And I think God, I know God honors that. Um, so um, I think, I think authentic prayer is just being real. Mm -hmm. Well, may we who are listening feel that same type of dialogue. And uh, I will say, and I'm not just saying this either, I'll put it in my phone, but I'll just say that um, I'm going to continue to pray for you and Thank for you. your strength for every day, brother, as you pray for other people as well. Thank you so much. And my continue to pray for all who will hear this and, and hopefully will benefit something from it, but know that my prayers are with you. And especially for all of the music ministers who are really struggling right now with this COVID-19 and all the effects that that has on us. Mm -hmm. Thank you for being here today, brother. You're welcome. Next, I called Ed Becker. Ed is a contemporary Catholic songwriter, singer, and multi-instrumentalist with over 45 years of experience in music ministry. His broad experience includes everything from singing the Latin High Mass at St. Matthew's Cathedral in Washington, D.C., to leading thousands of teens in song for youth masses at Six Flags and King's Dominion amusement parks. Today, Ed shares his experience both composing for, leading, and experiencing prayer at Eucharistic Adoration. His time praying at the Blessed Sacrament has clearly impacted him, and he's glad to share the wisdom and the music that he has found as a result. Okay, today on Ministry Monday, I'm talking to Ed Becker. Hi, Ed, how are you? Hi, I'm doing well, how are you? I'm well, I'm well. Thanks for being willing to talk with us today on Ministry Monday. Mm -hmm. uh, so, Ed, you know, I, I know I already mentioned this to you, but I think it's good for the listeners to listen right now, too. You know, so, Ed, you were a part of a something that we did with NPM called Shop, Sip, and Sing, which was a one-night event where we just had a lot of our vendors and, and people come back and give opportunities for our for virtual convention attendees to talk about other topics with music and ministry and liturgy. And you talked that night about Eucharistic adoration and small, very simple refrains or simple pieces of music that can really deepen someone's prayer experience. And it was after that that I really kind of had the genesis or the idea of this Ministry Monday episode, which is really just deepening our prayer experience. And so as we start, give us a little bit of background. How did you, first off, start composing music for ministry? Well, um, I started composing mostly uh, when I was uh, asked to do a life teen uh, group. It was it, it was 
it wasn't Life Teen exactly. It was kind of modeled on that. It was back in the early 90s. Um, things were just getting started. And there really wasn't much contemporary music out there. There was the folk music, the glory and praise, and a lot of that was very folk-oriented. Um, and the pastor and the youth minister said they wanted more of a more of a band, something with a more contemporary sound. And at that point, you know, there wasn't the praise and worship music that's out there today. There wasn't the, uh, and then after that came, you know, more contemporary music in the Catholic tradition, but it just wasn't there. So I just found myself every Sunday having to write a song. <laughs> and so <laughs> it was under pressure writing out of necessity. Um, and those early, uh, those early masses became uh, very, um, uh, packed houses and people really liked the, it wasn't just the music, it was the whole uh, movement towards a contemporary liturgy, um, but the music was part of it, but it was it was out of necessity because I just couldn't find what we were looking for. Um, and then the Eucharistic stuff came several years later. I had been doing Eucharistic adoration for teens and, and then um, the Archdiocese of Washington Young Adult Ministry started something called Christ in the City um, and again, it was Eucharistic adoration for younger people using contemporary music. Um, and that's where I realized that most of the uh, music that we were using was uh, from the Protestant praise and worship tradition. Because at this point, you had, you know, some, some praise and worship out there. And it was good, good, uplifting worship music. But it wasn't Eucharistic because it came out of the Protestant tradition. So um, the, the Catholic Church, for the most part, if there's Eucharistic music, it's about communion. It's for Mass. Um, there, there was, you know, the only real Eucharistic adoration music at the time was um, Tantum Ergo, <laughs> um, Latin hymns. And, uh, so, again, out of necessity, I started writing these songs. Um, so, that's where it came from. <laughs> How long have you been composing music like this? Um, since... I guess the late 80s, probably the early 90s, probably early 90s is when we started with that group. And uh, first CD came out back in 96, and then it's been, you know, ever since. Right. Okay. So it's been almost 30 years since you've almost, started. Almost, yeah. Wow. Wow, that's great. Oh, um, that made me feel old. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I meant to say how sage and wise you were. I did not <laughs> Thank to, you. Uh, <laughs> to elude. But anyway, so, okay, so at this point, you know, you composed for all these different types of scenarios and all these different types of needs. Let's focus a little bit, like I said, on music for Eucharistic adoration. So what are some of the key things or principles that you have found that make for a successful piece of music for that? And whenever I say successful, I mean something that provides full and conscious and active participation. Yeah, um, I think the question is kind of the answer there. Um, encouraging full active participation. Um, the song, I think, should do that. Um, and part of that is make it very singable. You know, make it, a, and, and not too complex. You're not trying to show off your musical prowess and uh, how many key changes you can go through in six measures. Um, <laughs> you know, how many tricky rhythms you can pull off. You know, that's, that's not our job. Our job is to bring people closer to the Lord, get them to sing, get them to participate. So uh, I try to keep it simple, but not simplistic. You know, it, it shouldn't sound childish. Um, so I try to make the refrain simple. And with Eucharistic adoration, particularly um, simple enough that maybe you don't need to have a song sheet in front of you because you shouldn't be looking at a song sheet. You know, maybe 
maybe you want your eyes just closed and your hands up or just be gazing at the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. So um, that's, that's where um, I think the songs are the most powerful is when people don't have to look down at a song sheet and read the words. The words are just come out of their heart. Um, uh, is it okay if I play a, a song or two? I'll, I'll show you oh, what yeah. I'm talking about. Absolutely. So, and again, it's, it's different with different groups. You know, if you're with a, a group of uh, older people who are used to the traditional stuff, it might be a little bit different than if you're with a group of teenagers on a retreat. So you kind of have to read the room, as they would say, you know, mm -hmm. and, and know how to, how to play. And you can do different arrangements of different songs. But um, so just a sort of an example of what I was talking about is a song, It, it Really Is You. Um, actually, no, I'm going to do Take uh, take My Heart. Um, and, and I would just kind of feed him the words like this. Lord, I open my heart to you. All that you want to do. Tear down these walls. Open these doors. Take my heart. It's yours. Lord, I open my heart. Lord, I open my heart to you and all that you want to do. And all that you want to do. Tear down these walls. Tear down these walls. Open these doors. Open these doors. Take my heart. It's yours. And then I'll go on and sing, and I'll sing the, the verse, and then I'll come back to that. And then by that time, they pretty much just know it, you know, and I might feed them the first line, um, but they, they just kind of fall into it. Um, I found that to be very, um, uh, a song that, that, that people really join into and sing. You know, I also noticed something about that example that you give is I think it's also in a great range vocally where someone can be relaxed and open. Yes. Um, in yes. terms of vocal range. It's not too high, it's not too low, it's just in a nice place where they don't have to feel that they're straining in either direction. Yeah, yeah, people don't want to have to work real hard. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, they, they, they want to focus on their singing, they want to focus on their praying, so. Um, right, yeah, exactly. As, as musicians, we can sometimes get caught up in being musicians, you know, and for us, you know, oh, to sing that high note is our way to praise, but maybe that's not true for most of the congregation. To sing that high note is just, pressure. <laughs> well, I think also too for Eucharistic adoration, at least for me, I feel that Eucharistic adoration to me is kind of, a, to me, it's a very vulnerable space. Not that the mass is not, but it's a, it's a space that has no set time on how long you can be there. You could be there for five minutes. You could be there for an hour. And there's this level of um, like unrestrictedness where you, whatever you need in front of the blessed sacrament, whether that's, yes. uh, you know, comfort, praise, pleading, grieving, whatever you're bringing, there's this sense of just kind of openness with whatever you need the most. And so I think in that way, I think music, I think functions a little bit differently because it's it's a conduit that shouldn't strain the body any more than it has to because it already is trying to process so much in this vulnerable space. And I think, you know, along those lines of space, it's important to create space in the music um, and not try to fill it up so much. Um, there's a lot of empty space in there. Um, so um, I want to do a little bit of a song. Um, it's, it's off the Eucharistic CD. Um, it's called So Good. 
um, and gives you all that sort of space in between the words to just let your heart just be still. And I think it's important to have that. So this goes, um, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, where's my, hold on a second. Let me, I'm cheating because I have a, a little bit of sheet music up here. I'm going to need, <laughs> uh, I'd like to, uh, maybe just do the, um, the first verse of the refrain and a little bit of the, in the second verse, um, to get a feel for that. So it goes like this. I'm actually going to put my old man glasses on. I'm kind of in between <laughs> that. Sometimes I need them. Sometimes I don't. Um, come forth, behold your Savior, draw near with open hearts, bow down in awe and wonder, sing Praise to your God. Lord, it is so good to be here. With saints and angels gathered in this place. To be here in your presence, kneeling at your feet. So good just to gaze upon your face. So gets to that stillness that just letting go and falling into the hands of God it goes like this be still be in this moment faith knows and understands rest It's that making that space to just be still and let go. Um, and, and I think that's an important part. Um, I think, especially with um, contemporary music, people think contemporary music means you have to be, you know, clapping and jumping up and down and drums and, you know, and you can make space and have peaceful, contemplative, contemporary music. Right. And, uh, yeah, I, I love what you did there with the texture. I really do. I, I love how like you said, leaving those, the spaces mm -hmm. lets people just sit with it. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So, yeah. It's just open their hearts to God and, and just support it and don't get in the way. <laughs> yeah. Don't get in the way. That's right. So yeah. at this point we're going to wrap up is, but, but before we do, is there any, are there any other songs, anything else you'd like to kind of share with us before we wrap up? Um, just, uh, real uh one thing i would like to say is that one of the things i, I discovered and I, I 
I don't remember whose talk it was, but somebody was giving a talk and they said, you know, Eucharistic adoration, you know, it doesn't have to be an hour in front of the monstrance. You know, you can stop in a church, even just where the Blessed Sacrament is reserved, you know, if, you know, and I, and I started just stopping on my way home at a church that had 24 hour adoration and just to stop in for 10 minutes, just to say hi, you know, um, or, or even if, if they don't have the monstrance, just any, any Catholic church has the Eucharist in the, in, 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 in his presence right there. So, um, do I have time just to do in, in your presence? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. I'd like to do this one. This is, um, this is called, uh, in your presence. It goes like this. favorites from your cd oh i'm glad you like it <laughs> yeah and um actually the video um i think is is really special if you either go to youtube and just google ed becker eucharistic video or go to the website um because it really shows um i i, I can't explain it but i mean i'm not in the video it's not a video about me it's not promoting a song it's just a video that kind of gives you a, a sense of the power of eucharistic adoration um so I would just, uh, if you're looking for a video, maybe to share with people to, to show, you know, what Eucharistic adoration uh, can be like, uh, it's a good video. Um, and, um, but uh, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's extremely powerful. It's hard now, um, a lot of chapels are closed. Um, but like I said, any church has the Blessed Sacrament there. Um, it might not be in the monstrance um, exposed, but he's there and you can be in his presence. Um, so uh, if you can just stop by the church, even if it's just for a little bit, um, to make it a, a regular habit. Um, we talk about All Souls Day coming up. Mm -hmm. um, again, you know, our loved ones who have gone before us are with the Lord. They're with the Lord. Where he is, they are there worshiping, you know. 
so we can be with them. And uh, um, I think it was Scott Hahn, I'm not sure, did a talk and mentioned that uh, the Eucharist is, is it's kind of like a window between heaven and earth. You know, when we're gazing at Jesus and they're gazing at Jesus, and so we're we're together. There's that great cloud of witnesses. So if you know, if I want to be with my mom or dad who passed away, um, you know, I don't go to the cemetery. I go to the Blessed Sacrament Chapel, and I'm I'm in the presence of the Lord because I know that's where they are. So um, maybe for uh, for All Souls Day, um, that would be a thing to do is to stop by and just uh, spend some time before the Eucharist with your loved ones and a great cloud of witnesses and the host of angels. <laughs> So. That sounds like a wonderful All Souls Day plan. I think that's what I'll be doing. So, oh, great. Well, thank you for your time today. Thank you for your music, Ed. You are the first person I've interviewed that has brought his guitar. So, thank you for being willing to share <laughs> some music on the uh, on the podcast today. I know I speak for everyone listening that it was really a prayerful moment in my day. So, thank you. Well, thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed. It. Thanks so much to Brother Lewis and Ed for sharing their time and their spirituality with us today. To watch the video that Ed referenced in his time with us, check out the show notes of the episode at ministrymonday.org. Tune in next week for a special rebroadcasting of Sister Thea Bowman's address to the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops in honor of Black Catholic History Month. The recording of For All the Saints was produced by Oregon Catholic Press, and today's theme music was produced by Aaron Schaus. Today's episode was produced by me, Amanda Bruce. That's it for today. With the Spirit's gifts empowering us for the work of ministry, thanks for listening. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Monday.